talk to you a special subject today about getting low so he can set you high and it's going to make total sense to you because God really moved in this first service and I, I know you're thinking oh, we're going to have communion we're going to have communion after the service so just hold on to your cup and uh, we'll, uh, we'll have communion afterwards but you know there's something I want to share with you that I was thinking about when my wife and I were dating I, I had a complex I didn't think that I was a good kisser because uh, sometimes she'd make a face and uh, I was thinking, you know, and uh, it wasn't that I, was good, I wasn't a good kisser. It was that I had bad breath. And she was taught, I see some ladies shaking their heads, okay. She was taught never to criticize anybody, just to put up with it. And now that I've had teenagers and I'd go, oh, my word, I can smell it from the back seat. She says, now you know how I felt. And I thought, oh, bless your heart. You know, that's why I keep these things in my, these Listerine mitts, and I, I'm hooked on them. You think I'm an addict to these things, you know. I mean, I see John chewing on his gum over there. Go ahead and go, buddy. But, uh, you know, you, but how many of you know, you don't know you stink unless somebody tells you. You know, I, thank God I have a staff once in a while. I can tell, you know, uh, you need to put something on your tongue, or they'll tell me, Pastor, you need to put something in your tongue or, you know, sometimes, you know, I've been smelling them for the same way for a few weeks. When was the last time you, you washed that sweater? They go, well, I've never washed it. Well, you need to wash it. <laughs> you don't know you have body odor or you don't know if you have bad breath unless somebody tells you. There's something that is snuck in from the very beginning of time and it's called pride. I want you to go to heaven where there was three archangels called Michael, um, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And God created them and God created heaven and everything was perfect. Everything was established. And yet even perfected and created by God, pride still snuck in to the archangel Lucifer. He got a glimpse of himself. And the Lord even said it was because of your pride I'm casting you out. And not only did Lucifer fall to the temptation of pride, he moved into strife and he caused a division in heaven. God had a division in heaven and it started with pride and pride is one of the worst things and it sneaks in and so many times we see things we don't see it until the Holy Spirit calls out our attention on it and if I know and you're going to see according to the scripture there's something that God hates and he wants us to be a sweet smelling fragrance before him but if God comes around me and he says you smell you smell like Lucifer You smell like King Saul. You, you smell the pride. And I can't be around you. I want God to call my attention on that. And I want you to see these scriptures today. In Proverbs 29, 23, it says, A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. And I want you to see that that, that word, uh, humble in spirit, it uses the Hebrew word, the rah, or the breath of God. And as I started looking into that and studying that, it reminded me, the Bible says that Moses was the most humblest, meekest man on the face of the earth. But it also says that he spoke to God face to face, that God would come and he would breathe in. And this is what somebody said one time, the more I look up to God, the less I look down on others. The more I get into God's face and the more God gets into my face, the less critical I want to be and the less prideful I want to be and the more humble I am to be in the presence of the most holy, loving God. And so it makes me examine my heart. It makes me see in the Bible. Jesus preached in Matthew. He said, the prideful will be humbled or brought low, 
but the humble and the low will be exalted. And as I was meditating on that, you know, we fall into the temptation many times that, you know, we want to work to the top. And there's a lot of motivation speaking, a lot of even motivational preachers about, you know, our purpose and our plan. But one thing we got to remember, Jeremiah 23, 11, for I know the plans I have for you towards the Lord. And we get excited about, yeah, to prosper. I have plans for you to prosper, be good and be in health. But the truth is, it starts off, but it says, I have a plan and I have a purpose. It's my plan. It's my purpose. It's not yours. And when we fall into pride, it's because I want my purpose and my plan. And I expect my plan and my purpose to work. But God says, wait a minute. It's my plan and my purpose that's going to work, not yours. And Jesus said, the humbled will be exalted. Or listen to this. That word exalted means there's promotion for the humbled. A lot of times we're wondering, God, why why am I not seeing my my life go to another level? Why am I not seeing my job go to another level? Why am I not seeing my life spiritually? Why why are things seem to be at a standstill? Why aren't things going up? And the truth is, if I want to see the promotion that many people speak about, and and, and faith is part of it, love is part of it, walking the Spirit is part of it, uh, having a positive mentality, a positive uh, vocabulary, all these things are an important part of it. But the most important that Jesus speaks that you don't hear motivational speakers preach, on is the era of humility he says the humble will be brought will be exalted or promoted and the pride will be brought low he hates and i want you to see proverbs 8 13 it says i hate pride and arrogance corruption and perverse speech he says i hate it and that word hate is the word i violently hate pride and listen to this it goes even deeper than that not only does god hate pride it's the hebrew word I cannot trust a prideful person. I can't, I, that word hate means I cannot trust a prideful person. I can't trust you with more. I can't promote you until I see a change in your heart or your attitude. He tells you, I hate pride. And not only that, that word means, and we'll see it further down, it means, the word hate means I become an enemy of the prideful person. God sees pride, he senses pride, and therefore he becomes an enemy of pride. Not of you, but of our pride to humble us and bring us down so it can move in our lives. I want you to see another scripture here. It says in Proverbs 16, 18, it says, First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. In Proverbs 6, 16, and 17, it says, These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look. He says in the word of God, what does God love? God hates pride, but what does he love? He loves mercy, and he loves for us to walk humbly before our God. And, you know, there are so many opportunities to, to, to move into pride and move into things that we shouldn't be moving to. And, and as I was preparing for this, there's two different things that happened to me. But one, I was saying, Lord, you know, this is not the message I felt I was supposed to be preaching. And he says, it is. And, and I felt like he said, and I remembered the banner we usually have here. It says, Thursday, as you know, is the National Day of Prayer. It's the National Day of Prayer. And the Word of God says, if my people will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. And we hear a lot of emphasis on prayer. We hear a lot of emphasis on intercession. But we hear very little emphasis on the area of humbling ourselves. And the Lord says, this is the perfect message. And I want to invite you this Thursday for those who can. To, to, let, let's do a fast that day. Maybe you can't fast food because you're medicine or something, but we can fast some type of music or TV or there's something we can fast that day for, for our nation and for our land because how many know America needs a healing? America needs a healing. 
And so we're going to be having, instead of intercession Tuesday night, we're going to be having intercession here Thursday night for the National Day of Prayer. But the church will be open all day for you to come and pray as you desire, and we appreciate that. But let's humble ourselves and pray. And I want to show an example here. In 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 9, it says, Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. Now I want to stop right there. I want to share something with you. If you read verse 1, it says, Naaman was a general. And he was a man of courage, and he was a very mighty man, it says, a, mer- a very valiant man. He was an awesome man of war. He won many victories and brought many victories to the king. And it talks all about these things, about all that Naaman did. But this is a problem with pride. Naaman knew all those things about himself. And many times the things I believe or the things I think about myself is truly at the very root of pride. It's one thing to let another man praise you, but it's another thing for me to praise myself. It's another thing for me to brag about what I got, but it's another thing to rejoice about somebody else bragging about or, or thanking God or being thankful for what they have and I'm rejoicing with them. Naaman knew these things about him and it became a stumbling block for him. And we're going to see that he had, he had a battle in his heart and his mind. He knew he was victorious. And pride will be brought lower. In other words, God will become the enemy. Even though you've been victorious, you become an enemy. And, and it says something very interesting. It says he was a mighty courageous man, a very violent man, a, not a very victorious man. All these great things about Naaman. But then he ends up saying he was a leper. And I could consider a lot of things about myself. And I could say a lot of things about me and this and that and the other. But the truth is, I am still a sinner saved by grace. And a lot of people put, could put titles and prophecies and, and, and say, you know, you're an apostle, you're a prophet, or you're this, or you're that. You're going to be mighty and all these other things, and you've got these gifts. I, I can say, I have one gift that I can be thankful for, and my gift and my history is that I'm redeemed. I have a gift called salvation. I've been saved and washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. My gift is that Jesus humbled himself and came to this earth and gave his life upon the cross. And Paul says, if we're going to boast in anything, let us boast and let our glory be that we know Jesus. That we know Jesus Christ. And so we can boast and we can brag about a lot of things. Even this week, Jake was with me and we were visiting with a pastor. And he's heard me with other pastors. And pastors like to get together and start talking about numbers and talking about this and numbers and all that. But Jake has been with me. And I let these other pastors talk. And I don't ever mention how, I don't mention how many members we have or how much money we sent or this and that or the other. I don't tell them because I know that they're going through some things. And I even had one later call me back after we visited and said, Pastor, I, don't even, I, I didn't even want to be in the ministry. How would he have felt if I would have said how many I'm having and compared to how many he's having? How many I have, it's not me. It's all Jesus. Jesus built this church. He's the cornerstone of this church. As I want to share with you today, this church is not a monument to a man. It's an altar for the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the vision of Word of Grace. Amen. And so, you know, it says he stood at the door. And I want you to get that. Meantime, we wonder, you know, why am I not going farther? The door represents a barrier. A lot of times we say, God, why don't you remove the barriers? I need a breakthrough in my life. Why, why am I not going farther? Why am I not more successful? Why aren't things changing? And the truth is, the door may be a door you have to stoop through to get in to God. A lot of times our pride, our arrogancy, and our blindness keeps us from walking in that door. Because when I walk through that door, it may be the eye of the needle that I may have to take a lot of things off before I go in. And I'm wondering, you know, why, why aren't more doors opening? Why is it more pride coming off? 
He was standing at that door. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know what I've done? Don't you know of everything I've brought you? And none of that mattered to Elisha. None of that matters to God. God sees the heart. And these doors become barriers. And my wife and I, we went to see that uh, movie, uh, the children's movie Hop last Sunday. Her and I went along. The kids didn't want to go with us. They didn't want to sing going in, in there with us to watch that movie. And so, she, so we, we went by ourselves, her and I. We seen a Hop, the little Easter movie cartoon thing. Anyway, we went in there. And coming out, we were walking back to our car, and we heard this mother hollering, and she may be here today. She used to come as a teenager, and we didn't recognize her because now she's a mother. Anyway, she was hollering, red light, green light. So we turned around, sit down. So we turned around, and she was playing red light, green light with her little two-year-old son. And she'd holler, red light, and the boy would stop. She said, sit down, he'd sit. Green light, he'd get up. Green light, he'd run. Red light, she was playing that. And so we commented, man, you are an awesome mother. I mean, won't you come work for our children's church and help train the children in our children's church? Green light, red light. I mean, you got a gift there. And I started thinking, you know what? How many times God is saying red light and we're hollering green light. He says red light because you're not ready to go forward. Your pride is the red light that's keeping us from going forward. There's something in my life I don't want to see. There's something in my life that is strangling me. There, there's an area of pride, and it could even be a false humiliation. It could be a religious pride. There's things I want to share with you today that God has worked and, and is working in my life. Uh, I, I read the story about St. Saint Francis, who was born in the 19th century. His dad wanted him to be a knight, and he wanted to be a knight. And so he got the horse and the armor and the sword and he tried getting in some battles and almost got killed in every battle. And the last battle he was going to fight in, uh, he was all dressed up and he almost had got killed in the last one again. And as he was getting ready, the Lord spoke to him and gave him a vision. He says, I want you to go back to your town and I want you to start a ministry to the poor and I want you to help start building the church back. So he quit the, the knighthood and went back and he got some of his dad's cloth and went and sold it and gave that money to the poor. And his dad locked him up in the cellar for a year. Then his own dad took him out of the cellar, took him to the trial, stood him before all the judge and, and the bishops and his mom and dad and everybody. He stood everybody there he was in front of everybody condemning him, saying he's crazy, he needs to be locked up. And in front of everybody, St. Francis, he took all of his clothes off, totally naked in front of everybody. And he walked up to his dad and he says, from today forward, the only father I will mention by name as father is my heavenly father, which is in heaven. And they said the presence of God came in that courtroom and the bishop took his cloak off and he covered Francis. And then one of the farmers took his robe off and gave it to Francis. And Francis, as you know, started doing mighty and greaty things for God. He lowered himself and God exalted him. Well, I think about Jesus. He was willing to totally become naked and nailed on the cross to open shame so that you and I could be saved. He, he left heaven for a manger. He left his heavenly father for, for a carpenter. He left all the glory where the this, all the angels, 24 hours, were crying, holy, holy, holy. The saints were throwing crowns before him. The angels were swing, uh, uh, flying around in heaven singing holy. The beasts were playing their instruments. I mean, all of heaven, all glories. He left holy, holy, holy to hear crucify, crucify, crucify. Who is more of an example of humility than Jesus? And if I want to walk in humility, I'm going to have to walk in the breath of God and see him and look upon how he was willing to humble himself even to the form of a servant so that you and I could be saved. 
I remember when we were in Argentina, I went up in the Andes Mountains to be with this pastor. He was up in his 80s. He, he was about this tall. He was descendant of the uh, Incas, and uh, his name was uh, Brother Orijana. And I went up to there, and it was 20 degrees below zero in the mountains. He didn't have glass in his window pane, and um, uh, he had a crack on the bottom of the door that big, and we were asking him to stuff rags to keep the wind from coming in, but he says, no, we need the fresh air. And it was so cold, they had to get cans of diesel to put underneath the motors to kind of make uh, the oil and everything to uh, not freeze up so they could start them in the morning. I mean, uh, we were pushing cars. It was, it was freezing. The, the uh, creek had frozen. Even the creek at the waterfall had stopped. I mean, it was cold. So I had my jacket, my bufanda, my scarf, my gloves, my hat. I even got in bed with my boots on. I had boots and three pairs of socks and, and my llama socks. I got in there, and I was covered up, and I was freezing with my coat and my boots in the bed I was there you know freezing and I saw this little here's this little 81 year old man Arijana, low voice worked in the mines half of his voice was gone and I saw him go to the edge of his bed and it's freezing and he gets on his knees and he just starts worshiping Jesus and there I am the missionary in the bed the man of God and he's on his knees and he's worshiping Jesus I thought God made me like I'm sorry. It's upon people's like that shoulders we want to stand upon. It's people like that that we were inspiring. My wife and I were going to the mission field, and I was with Pastor Osteen, and we were both were Pastor Osteen, and, and he, I said, Pastor Osteen, we're going to do everything we can to uh, continue the reputation of Lakewood and you, and we want to make you proud. And he says, you just go preach Jesus. That's all you preach. You don't preach Lakewood. You don't preach John Osteen. You preach Jesus. It's people like that that have a heart. This church, I didn't build this church. This church started with my dad and sister Pauline, who started with just a few in a little bitty building, and then they went to another building. Sister Rhonda, Sister Terry, Sister Cindy was here, and just, uh, just a handful of people, and it looked like nothing, but yet he started, and, and we've grown. And, and I never picked this property. I, I, I was looking at some property in the woods somewhere that was a whole lot cheaper and out of sight, and I didn't ask for this property. I wasn't trying to get seen. God gave us this property. It was not that we're going to be the big church of the city. We're not going to be the big the church of the area. The, we're not going to build a monument to a man. We're going to build an altar for Jesus. Amen. One of the definitions of humility means, listen to this, one of the definitions of humility, this is awesome, knowing our place. Never forgetting who we are. Knowing our place, knowing that we are submitted to Christ and we're supposed to represent him the best we can. And I want you to see here, 2 Kings 5.10. But Elisha sent a messenger out to him with this message. You mean he didn't even come himself? Go and wash yourself seven times in the Jordan River. Then your skin will be restored and you will be healed of your leprosy. How many know? Uh, look at this. Let me show you this. But Naaman became very angry and stalked away. Look what he says. I thought he would certainly come out to meet me. He could at least come out and meet me. He says, I expected him to wave his hand over the leprosy and call on the name of the Lord his God and heal me. I thought and I expected. How many times in our pride, God, this is the way I think it's supposed to be. Lord, I prayed, I heard this, and I expected you to do that. And you didn't do this, God. You said this in your word, but it didn't happen that way. And so many times we think and we expect things out of pride. We expect things from God. And so we get angry because God doesn't do it the way we expect him to do it.
Like we're going to tell God how to do it. You know, like, like we're Shrek and we want the fairy godmother just to wave her wand and turn us into me and donkey into a handsome prince and a handsome horse. We want things done our way. We want our, our heavenly Godfather just to do his wand and just fix it all and do it our, our way. But yet maybe there's something that God wants to teach us through the process. God's way. He said, I thought this is how it's supposed to be done. But the Bible says that our thoughts are enmity against God. We want things to, we, we'd want things to be done, even the little things. We don't always want to get low so God can get high. Something happened to me about 33 years ago, and, and God reminds me, I think about this often, um, this brother, he's a spiritual father to me, he would come through our town a lot of times, and God's used him a number of times to speak in my life. I was about 15 years old, and I, met, I would meet with him when he'd come through town to pray with me, minister to me, and, and you know, he'd meet and pray with me, and I, 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 didn't, I was on the worship team, I didn't drink, I didn't go out, I, I wasn't having sex, I didn't do none of that stuff, I was living the life right, I was preparing to go in the mission field. And so, you know, I get with him, and you know, I'm sure this is going to go fast, I, I'm not doing anything I'm supposed to do. And I never forget that as we were sitting there, and he was praying over me, and we were talking, all of a sudden, in the unction of God, he pointed his finger at me, and he says, you have broken the heart of your God with your attitude. And I didn't even say nothing about this. He says, you have broken the heart of your God with your attitude. God has heard you say, thank God I am not like my brother. Talking about my blood brother. He says, you have been prideful that you are not like him. That struck through me like an arrow. Because I was thinking how holy I am. Thank God I'm not making my parents cry. Thank God I'm not doing this. Thank God I'm not doing that. And how many times the Lord reminds me, you remember? How can you thank, how can you say, thank God my children are not like their children? How can you say, thank God my husband's not like his husband or my wife is like her wife? How can you as a pastor say, thank God my church is not like that church and my sheep are not like their sheep? That's pride. And what I thought was an accomplishment, God says, you're breaking my heart, thanking me that you're not like your brother. That's no different than the Pharisee who was hitting his chest. You gave his tithes and went to church, and then the other was crying about, woe is a sinner like me. He said, you're no different than that. And how many times we say, thank God I don't have a job like they have a job. Thank God I don't have an education like their education. Thank God I don't live in what they live in. Thank God I don't have to put up with what they put up in God is saying. And that is the reason you're still standing at the door and you're not going through. There I was saying, Lord, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing, I've never done any of this. I've never done any of that. I'm living my life. I'm ready to go to the mission field. He says, you ain't ready to go to the mission field until you humble yourself. In fact, my pride stunk more than anything my brother could have been doing. How many times my pride has pushed me down and kept me from going where I needed to go? His way is to go down. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you must be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. That word resist the proud, that word resist is the same word hate, which means he picks a fight. Our pride picks a fight with God, and I do not want to fight against God. I don't want to make God angry because my heart is full of pride and it is full of arrogancy and it's full of me and it's not desperate after him. Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves. There it says it twice. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Promotion in honor. The message says get down on your knees before the master. It's the only way you'll get up on your feet. John the Baptist said it this way. I must decrease that he increases. Now, there's something very interesting about the story of Naaman when you read it. He was mad because the Lord had told him, I want you to go baptize in the river Jordan. You know, I'm sure he said, there's many rivers. I'm sure you and I, like, you, like I would tell, I say, Lord, you know, if I had a dip somewhere, can I go to Destin, Florida? Can I go to Hawaii? Can I, can, I, can, can, can I go get dipped in Hawaii? The water's blueing. Can we go to the Yucatan, God? Come on, can we go dip over there? I don't want to dip in the Red River. The Jordan River looked like the Red River. If you look at pictures, it's a filthy river. And he was saying, he even said, that water is dirty. I don't want to be baptized there, but this is very interesting about Jesus. And this is what humbles us. Jesus will never tell us to do something that he's not willing to do himself. Because a few thousand years later, who went and got dipped in the River Jordan? But Jesus, the Son of God. And by him being dipped in the river Jordan, the heavens opened and the voice came, this is my beloved son. Maybe the heavens open that we desire, maybe that open door we're looking for will come through the area of, of willing to lay aside title, put on a towel, and wash even the person who betrays you feet to be like Jesus. He says, I want a miracle my way. I want to choose how the miracle is going to come. I'm going, I want to choose how things are going to be done. How many times we want things to be done the way we want it to be. And I want you to see this. It says, but his servants caught up with him and said, Father, if the prophet had asked you to do something hard and heroic, wouldn't you have done it? So why not this simple wash and be clean? How many times in pride, even in the church, I only want a ministry if I'm going to be seen. I don't want to clean the bathroom. I want to be on the worship team. I don't want to work with stinking children in those little diapers and stinking diapers and washing their bottoms. I don't want to be working the Sunday school with those loud children. No, I want to have a ministry that is seen. If I'm going to give money, I want it known. If I'm going to be something, I want it known. They're saying, oh, if it was something hard, you would do it. But because it's something simple and you, can't get, you don't think you can get nothing out of it, you don't want to humble yourself into doing the little thing so that he can be exalted in the little thing. Because God is in the little things such as a little oil in the pot and two fishes and five bread. I want a ministry like this. I want to be seen. I can't believe it now how ministers get up and they go, don't touch the anointed. And then they even get on TV and they go, I curse whoever talks about this ministry or touches the anointing. And they're well known. And, and, they're, and, and they, they talk about your curse if you touch me or you talk about me. Listen, they're going to talk about you anyway. 
I can't believe pastors who actually curse their sheep if they leave the church. We don't own nobody. Pastors go, you're going to fall in a curse if you lose this church. You have to be underneath the anointing. I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. I'm under the blood. You don't belong to Russell Cobb. You don't belong to any man. You belong to Christ. He died for you. Don't you believe that? Oh, you know, I'm going to get a curse. I'm going to get a curse. Look, this is how instead of cursing people, if they talk about you, they talk about your ministry. Listen, that's between them and God. I'm going to love you. I have somebody came to me all back. They showed me a picture of some people at a restaurant talking real loud about me. Talking down about me to a policeman. They showed me the picture and all that. I said, you know what? I love them. What they were saying was nothing but a lie. But you know what? I don't have to get involved. That's between them and God. I know my heart and I know what I did. I know what I did not do. I don't have to go take it up for myself. I just humble myself before God. And you know what? Sometimes I need those types. Sometimes we need somebody telling us what we don't want to hear to wake us up. Because you know what? A lot of times, listen church. A lot of times there's a lot of truth in some criticism. Sometimes there's truth in criticism. And if I'm too big to hear a little bit of criticism, then there's a root of pride somewhere that has snuck in. If my heart condemn me, then it does not condemn me, then I'm good before God. Naaman says, I'm not going to do this. Dunk in that dirty water. Let me share something with you. Sometimes we got to get in the dirt to see the dirt that's in me. We're going to have water baptism in two weeks on a Sunday night. It's in the thing. Sometimes I got to get down in there to see the old man, how dirty and no good that old man was that Jesus saved, loved, and rescued. Sometimes I need a flat tire or my battery dying or my car breaking down on the side of the road or pain in my body. Sometimes I need to go to the doctor so that I can identify and know what other people feel and what other people are going through so I can not be this perfect high and mighty, but I can identify where people live and where people are and where people are struggling. If we didn't have any of those type of things, if we never got back into the dirt, we never got back into feeling bad, ever feeling depressed, going through things... I don't need counseling. I don't need help. I don't know anybody telling me what to do. It's got a way of working it out. You're standing at a door and can't go no farther until you humble yourself and say, Lord, I need help. I'm making a mess of my life. I need you to help me. Naaman got what he didn't have, but I want to show you somebody who had it but lost it. It says, and Saul built an altar to the Lord, and it was the first of the altars that he built to the Lord. First of the altars. Saul started out good. He, was, he looked at himself with low esteem of himself at the very beginning. Samuel even rebuked him. He says, do you remember when you didn't think much of yourself before the people? We had to find you because you were hiding when you were called to be anointed of God. He started off, he didn't see himself as this big and great king. And here he is in chapter 14, building altars. And now look at chapter 15. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up not an altar, but a monument to himself. Gideon, in all that he did, 
afterwards, all that God did, that is, he went and set up a monument. He burnt the gold and he set up a monument to himself. You'll never see my name outside on this building. You will not see it on the signs. You will not see it on the building. When we were building this building, the Lord says, the house is mine. I want my name on it, not a man's. I will not share my glory with another. This area has monuments to denominations. This area has monuments to men. This region has names of men that, that are glorified and exalted. There are men who use fear tactics and manipulation to try to keep their sheep and get money and all these other things. And that's between them and God. But I tell you what's going to change this region and it's going to change. is God is going to raise up a new generation of men and women who are not interested in the light. They're not interested about their names being known. They're not interested about their denominations being known. They're not interested about the name of their churches being known. I want to tell you what I want. I want word of grace to be an altar. I want word of grace to be an altar. I want it to be a place. Because if you find out what is the vision of word of grace, I'm not preaching by vision. I want to tell you what the vision of Jesus Christ is. Luke 4.18 The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty them that are free. This church is not about a man. It's not about a ministry. It's not about a people. It's about captivity of people's lives who need to be set free through the power of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of the word, and people who are not interested in self-gain and about lifting themselves up there's been a lot of moves in this area there was a move and see there was a move of unity a few years ago but it quit being about ministers and it started being about a man and it's down men always get in the way God help us that in this church this church was not started by a split my dad founded this church him and sister Pauline and let's pray that this church never becomes another church to make the paper. To throw dirt on the name because a few proud people don't want to humble themselves and, and be accountable to other people. And, let, and, 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 and cherish, cherish the foundation which is Jesus Christ and not the name of a denomination or a church or my vision or who I am. It's not about me. It's not about even you. It's about Jesus Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. It's about Jesus. That's why it's not about how we dress. It's not who we drive, where we come from, who gives more, who doesn't. It's, it's about Jesus being exalted. It's about this being a safe place where people come in here and they sense that there's unity, but there's humility and there's transparency that they come here and that we can find help in time of need at the throne of grace. Saul started building a monument to himself. It was all about him. The, it's ambition or it's the cross. I love the hymn we used to sing when I was a kid, Blessed Assurance. Perfect submission. All is at rest. When I'm humble in my heart, and my mind, and my spirit, there's a peace and there's a rest that passes understanding. Perfect submission, all is rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting. Looking above. Filled with his goodness. Lost in his love. This is my story, this is my song.
praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Pastor, what's your secret? How do you build a church? How do you get the people to come in? If they would interview me, get me on TV. Thank God they haven't. I've been on TV a few times, but if they interview, how did you build that church? I don't know. I preached the word and preached Jesus. And I knew how much I need him. And it's about Jesus being exalted and saving lives. What's your history? It's the old rugged cross. It's the story of a Savior who bled for me and died for me. And I have nothing to boast in. But he saved me and he rescued me. And I'm thankful for that. What would you want to be remembered about by? I want to be remembered by humility. That I wasn't some stuck-up, arrogant, another one of them preachers... I want to be known that you could touch me and that I could love you and you could love me and we could just grow together. That I didn't have to be treated like a king. These guys, they take my books and put it in the car and drive the car around. I never asked them to do that. They did that and I try to even stop them. They go, no, they carry my books. And I say, don't carry my books. They want to carry my books. They don't have to do that. I don't need that. My ego doesn't need somebody carrying my Bible for me. I mean, I'm not crippled. I can carry my own Bible. They want to do that. I don't need my ego that somebody that I'm the big chief. Jesus is the chief cornerstone. He's everything. Amen. A few questions. Am I still on my knees in my face before God? Am I still hungry for him? When I pray, is it mostly about me and mine or is it about others? What's my motivation? Am I genuine? What I do, is it about glorifying God or is it about glorifying me? Do I do what I do to get involved, to be seen, or do I do it as unto the Lord that my left hand don't know what my right hand does? What is the reasons behind what I do? And today... I want to invite you to take your communion cup if we could dim the lights. And, and listen, I, I want to say something. Please hear this out. Be, before you, you, you do get up, I'm going to ask those who can, if we would get on our knees before God, if you don't have anything wrong with your back and, you, and, you, and your knees or, or your hips, if you have to stay seated, please do. Please don't feel obligated because in your lot of pain, it's hard for you to get up. Not everybody has to do it. But for those of us who can, would you join me in getting on my knees before Jesus Christ? And this first day of the month of May, we take this bread, and he took that bread that night, and he broke it. Today, we say, Holy Spirit, break us in the area of our wheels. Break us the area of our pride, our thoughts, how we think it should be or you do it.
our expectations that are so many times so selfish. As your body that you spoke about when you broke your bread, right now as your body, we humble ourselves before you, God. In this land, in this nation that needs so desperately needs you. In a church, the church, your body in America that so desperately needs you and needs revival. In a region that's full of monuments and decorations and things to lift up men, we so desperately need you. We humble ourselves before you today, Holy Spirit. Break us where we need to be broken. Because we do not want to find ourselves fighting against a holy, true God. Lord, as pastor that you chose and you placed over this body, forgive me if I've ever acted out in pride or arrogancy. Forgive me, I've never expressed your heart as it desires to be expressed. As he broke the bread, he said, this is my body which is given for you. Today we say, Father, this is our body that we give to you. Break us and then mold us again after your image. We take the bread. That same night, he took up the cup. He said, This is my blood that I pour out for you as an offering. The new covenant of Emmanuel, God with us, in us and over us. This blood that cleanses and washes us from all sins, makes us anew. It's because of this blood our names are in the Lamb's book of life and we have an eternity in glory with Father. We thank you for your precious blood offering. That was poured out for us in the remission of our sins. We drink it in remembrance of the most humblest examples of a God who came as a servant to redeem mankind. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Let's partake of the cup.